Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Sam. You can find me at the Justice League Universe podcast. And today we're talking about minute 183 of part six, Something Darker, which is going to start with Aquaman continuing to talk to Barry Allen about Cyborg. And then the minute is going to end with Batman telling Wonder Woman about Barry Allen being in the Batcave and saying that Lois Lane is the key. So in this minute, Aquaman and the Flash discuss Cyborg and Batman discloses to Wonder Woman about his nightmare vision. So good, good little uh, minute we had here. We were, I think we were all really invested in this one as we were watching it. Um, but yeah, let's, let's wrap up what we, what we <laughs> talked about with Aquaman and, and Cyborg first. Um, I spoke about it yesterday, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this one. Sam, go for it. Well, I do think it's just, I mean, it's brief, but I think it's an important character beat for Aquaman, for Arthur, that he, all he does is he says, like, I never said that. And so what we can read into that is like, he does care. He has this like rough exterior. He has this loner kind of thing that he's been doing. But just that simple line, if I never said that, means like just because I have this rough exterior or just because I've, you know, had some gruffness in the past, don't assume that like interior or that like emotionally underneath he does care is really what he's saying. And so to me, that's an important moment, which now we can be like, oh, there's a little bit more to this guy than we thought earlier in the movie. It's also showing like this movie wants you to probe into those deeper emotional things, not just follow the action along the top. They want you to follow that in and be like, oh, these characters actually have a little bit more going on inside them. And then we can keep that in mind like as we go forward, like with a little bit of a new perspective onto Aquaman. So I think just that that simple little thing to me like gets a lot of, uh, I get a lot of mileage out of it like as, as I'm watching the mm-hmm. whole movie overall for Aquaman. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nice to see it said to Barry Allen who is kind of on the other side of the spectrum of like, um, as an, as a, I want to say like a normal human looking at like these bigger superheroes and these gods among men type of thing. And, and, yeah. and he has godlike powers, but he doesn't see himself as so to see, um, as someone who's praised as like a mythological, like legend when we, when we go to Iceland, and we see the way that the the town um, uh, praises this or almost worships Aquaman, uh, um, that he sees care from a god. And as we think of humans who think of like gods as these uncaring titans above us, probably the wrong term to use titan, but it's like, yeah, these gods among men, to see that they care, he's almost like, it, you know, there's this smile that Ezra Miller does for Barry Allen, and it um, it's very heartwarming to be like, oh, he um, he really liked that statement from from Aquaman, from character to character. So uh, it's nice to see that interaction happen between Aquaman and Barry Allen. It was kind of almost as if like that line solidified for Flash that Aquaman is there to be a hero, uh, and like no doubt about it, you know, because if you think about it, like he didn't hesitate when he asked 
or you know when he stated i thought you didn't care it was so like that thought was like lingering in the back of his mind for so long throughout all of these conflicts that they've participated in together as a team flash was still in the back of his mind somewhere thinking like i don't know about this guy and uh like to do it in this disarmed manner where everybody's kind of just like at home base uh you know not in a fight sequence kind of thing where you actually can get down to it person to person you know really good dialogue exchange here between the two of them um but yeah flash is definitely like the head nod and the acceptance of like yeah totally i get you i get you as the care i know who you are i know the kind of person you are and yeah. i just needed to know that you aren't an asshole you know what i mean <laughs> like, yeah that's yeah, and uh, it's, so it's, it really is it fits so well right and this this team formation is like an ongoing process you know it's not just calling everybody in and now you're a team it's like no you have to build trust and you have to sort of know how the other person's seeing it and uh because you're building up for the big challenge that's going to be yet to come right so now they have a little bit more trust they have a little bit more understanding between each other which is good for a team as you go into your biggest challenge yet, like, you know, in the future. And it's also, you know, it's, it's Barry and Arthur, which they had, they had a little run in where they weren't quite on the same page when they were fighting Superman earlier. And it was like Mm -hmm. this pointing finger at you and like, I'm so sorry. Like, so that's their previous kind of interaction that that these two have had. And now we're seeing like, okay, they're, they're actually peeling back the layers a little bit and starting to come to a little bit better understanding with each other, which I think is, again, it's a nice sort of growth for those characters. Um, but I also think it's like, it's fitting that Aquaman, Aquaman doesn't actually say, I really care a lot. I want us all to be successful. Like he doesn't get into this explicitly mushy, mushy stuff. But what he says is, I didn't say that. He's basically saying like, don't assume I don't care. And so they like pull off this thing where Arthur can show his sensitive side, but he doesn't go overboard to like emoting all kinds of explicit emotional stuff. It's, it's all Mm -hmm. just, you know, beneath the surface. So Again, it's that dialogue that I think is well-crafted where there's a lot conveyed with just a little bit of dialogue and it fits the character. And we're basically hearing that Arthur cares, but it would be out of place for him to actually say, I care about all you guys. I want you to be successful. Like that wouldn't fit the character to say say it that that explicitly. Yeah, and it also, in, in his own cool way, it's not also that Aquaman is, is just like, um, you know, I'm just ready for the rock and roll to start and go kick some parademon ass and like be the rock star that everyone thinks that I am. It's like, you know, I, I will have fun with that when it happens, but also I do care, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, uh, so it's, it's very important that we see that from the character instead of just being like, you know, I'm ready to get back at the parademons and stuff that it's like, we need to show that Aquaman is, you know, he has emotional uh, capacity as well yeah so and it's it, it very good and he's saying it to barry so like we we're kind of talking about that but he's also he cares about cyborg like he's saying man that's a lot for this kid to have to handle like man yeah. are we asking him to do too much that's also very important because in the past he was like skeptical of cyborg he's like can we trust this guy he's got apocalyptic tech and all in his butt like so the fact now he's sort of shifting from i'm really skeptical of this kid victor to like oh, I actually now kind of care about him and I, I hope that we're not putting too much on his shoulders. Like, that's also some really nice character relationship kind of growth. Again, but it's just done in a couple seconds, you know? Yeah, right? I mean, and mm-hmm. this is coming from a guy that his entire life 
that weight was put on him since he was a child, you know? And it's like, hey, you're you're a king. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, you're you're king of this place, dude. Like, you need to act up. So You see, uh, he knows what it's like to have too much placed on your shoulders, and now he's he's worrying about that with cyborg, yeah. And then also losing your father, like Aquaman still has his father at this point so it's but was like ripped just, away from his mom though like, yeah so, yeah. so yeah. like that that parental uh, uh distance i guess whatever being <laughs> ripped away is definitely the the great way to use it um it hits on so many levels harder for aquaman um especially now like as an adult and then again asking a kid where like he probably put himself in the same shoes of being like I was in your same position one time cyborg at one hundred percent like, and I didn't know what the actual answer was or no one ever asked me if I was okay after all that they just wanted me to be a king <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah absolutely uh, and Aquaman has a you know really good um, relationship development between Barry Allen and Cyborg as as both of you had said. Um, Barry Allen being the first one to talk about Aquaman in, in the in the Metropolis Project fight when Aquaman burst through the the wall of Gotham Harbor and he's like who is that and so then to see that relationship build where you know they had A or B for the hats and he's you know he's so the you know and so there's been this iterations of Aquaman and Barry Allen throughout the movie to get to this point it's like their relationship is really tightening over time and then like as you said nathan where cyborg and aquaman he's he's you know you talk to machines it's like well you talk to fish so come on don't don't be that rude and then can we trust this mother box person and then um when he loses his father cyborg that aquaman says like his his father is dead because of us we should have never woken up that box this is all our fault and then as we'll see uh, in the Battle of Pajornov, when Cyborg says this ride ain't over yet, and then he goes, my man, it's like, you, like, that's friendship. Like, you've, you've gone from not trusting someone to then being like, you're my best friend, my man. And then, like, they go kill parademons, and then we all have a great time uh, because it's a fun movie. <laughs> so it's just nice to see those two relationships that Aquaman, you know, he... he um, he starts with Flash and, and Cyborg and then to see it grow into an actual friendship is, is great. And then uh, I guess that's how you get to <laughs> the end credits of The Flash where you have Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller uh, doing having a scene together, which is like the chemistry is there. Don't know if I like the story, but it was good. <laughs> it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Did you guys notice how long the shot was transitioning from... Aquaman and Barry, like over to uh, Bruce and Diana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's like it shows just how close this team is together here at the Batcave. We this is this is a set that we were very familiar with coming from Dawn of Justice, but now there's all these people here, not just um, Batman and Alfred, but now we have characters talking to each other. It's almost like, well, for me personally, I think a lot of um video games where you have a lot of companions like bioware games mass effect um even nowadays people are playing uh like Baldur's gate 3 and other games where you play as a character but now you have multiple companions in kind of like your home base 
who are having conversations with each other and all these relationships are flourishing um, to then see it transitioned over to Batman, who's kind of uh, listening and, and watching these characters grow. Um, but then as he's studying them, we see Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman walking over to Batman as he's uh, pondering. <laughs> yeah, and she's like checking in on him. And it's it's this nice thing, right? Like he actually has more people around that he can observe and that can come in and check up on him and stuff. And so I like it that it's in one shot because it does put all the actors in this place together. We get a sense, a better sense of the space because of the continuity of the shot. And Alfred's still in the background and he stays in the background for the whole shot. So you have like Jeremy Irons, you know, acclaimed actor, and he's just going to stand out of focus in the background for this whole shot because it's, it, brings them all together and it's so nice to know that they're all filming together versus say another version of the movie that maybe had people pasted in that were not actually like in the same room with each other or something but this one it's like mm-hmm. no you you can feel they were all in the same room feeding off each other's energy filling out that bat the bat cave like you're talking about um i timed it out it's actually 40 seconds of that con- continuous shot and starts over an aquaman side and then moves over to bruce's side um i mean that's that's a very long shot for a comic book blockbuster kind of movie yeah it's 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 a very long shot that we have here and and i you know i want to double on on alfred being in the background there it really does add to it i mean obviously you know we, you could have easily just had wonder woman um you know you could just have gal gadot there uh walk from point a to point b and start saying your lines but they by having alfred there it like you said it makes the family feel um full it makes it makes the, the environment look busy and like all these characters and all these minds that are brainstorming in this bat cave like it it gives it um it gives this area like more life to it like literally more life to it because all these characters are here the characters that you know and you point to and you go oh that's alfred and that's aquaman and that's the flash and they're all here and it's like so all this busy work that's happening just adds to uh, pretty much the lore of of the scene here uh, so it's just it's just yeah it's it's really good stuff um this scene where gal gadot as wonder woman is standing right behind um ben affleck as batman this is uh this is this snyder cut right like this this is only in this version of the film is, is that correct i think so well in, in the theatrical they instead go over to this totally different room that doesn't look very familiar and then they talk about uh, and he's taking his Close yeah, off. he's got his bruises and yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's yeah, we don't need to talk about it any more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, yeah, and and I, I think they did that scene because then it like it, I guess it pays homage to the Tim Burton Batman, like his hall of uh warrior, um, the samurai outfits and all that stuff. Like, I guess it's like it ties back to like, oh no, hey, look, we 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 know what people want from Batman movies. Um, but um, this shot here. Of Wonder Woman standing behind Batman as he looks, uh, and he sits in the chair. And this is like a a set photo, like an exclusive, right? Like Entertainment Tonight. Oh yeah, like this this was a big photo. Yeah, but before the theatrical movie came out, is which I was leading to. Like this is a very important mm-hmm. frame here that when people talk about, like, oh, we were robbed and we, you know, we didn't see everything we wanted to see when we saw Justice League. Like, where's the rest of this movie at? This was something that they put out officially like here's a sh- here's a uh, shot of, of the next movie because at the end of Dawn of Justice this is all we had we only had Batman and Wonder Woman we didn't 
know about Aquaman uh, and the Flash and Cyborg, save for only the CCTV footage from the LexCorp files. Um, so as Justice League was going to kick off, it's like, here's an image, first look of Batman and Wonder Woman as they try to unite the team, only to find out now that this is they're well united at this point. Um, but this was an official image, wasn't it, before the theatrical cut came out? I'm pretty certain, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Wonder um, Woman in the Batcave, right? Like, that's a big deal. Like, oh, Wonder Woman's going to be in the Batcave. Cool. Like, first time ever, you know, on the big screen kind of thing. Yeah. And also yeah. just, like, a better shot of this chair because, d- dang, do <laughs> I want that chair even more badly as I get older. <laughs> And also just for us, I know all of us are Batman v Superman fans or Donna Justice fans, like like to go back to the spot and then to have Bruce actually talking about it. Like I had this dream or, you know, premonition like to me, my Batman v Superman self is like, yes, you know, this is the continuity that I wanted into the next movie. And for him yeah. to be seeing Barry and be like, there's Barry. I remember seeing Barry right over here. You know, it's it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it's. It would be a letdown if the whole movie went without acknowledging that it's like, you do know that this was the guy that came into the Batcave while you were sleeping through a time portal and said some crazy stuff to you and then vanished. Like, it's it would be a huge missed opportunity if he didn't, uh, you know, acknowledge it in some way, looking at Barry Allen in his Batcave and being like, this is the guy, this is that person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, he had an opportunity before when he um, is sitting in his second favorite chair in his home and, and being like Barry Allen, like Bruce Wayne, like, you know, so it's um, it's nice to see that information being disclosed to someone. Um, and yeah, again, to have Wonder Woman here in the Batcave, it's just it's just a really cool moment. Like this is important, but also very cool. Um, I wanted to talk about the lingering shot that you know the 42nd shot between flash and aquaman onto batman and wonder woman um i took from that more so like the proximity of where everybody is i think mark you said you know how how close everybody is together but also like i feel like you know it's we're also talking about batman um they're still in earshot of each other so Batman listening into that entire conversation between those two is pretty important. Mm-hmm. B- Batman's oh, yeah. not obsessed and focused on whatever's happening on the computer screen, and nor is he obsessed in trying to figure out what the next move is. He's sitting down and he's relaxing, which is like, what are you, what are you talking about? Why are you here? What are you doing? Don't you have work to do? Um, and it's like a breather moment, but it's it's like he's taking it all in. And because of the intensity of what happened in Dawn of Justice with Flash coming from the future and and doing the whole thing, like, that was so much to give Batman pause that him sitting here and him realizing and picturing everything that happened a year ago and being like, yeah, he was standing right here. It was a dream or a vision or whatever it was. But, like, that was so intense that he is not doing Batman right now. He's like guy in costume sitting in a chair listen, overhearing what the other guys are saying in costumes like that's i don't know it's really intense um <laughs> i think a little it, bit gets lost when gal has her line of dialogue just because it's 
the tone it just doesn't seem genuine i don't know something's off on it nothing against it it's just like well that's okay but then i'm quickly like oh yeah batman's paying attention to what's happening over there like that's what i'm supposed to be paying attention to as well not one woman very, just walking she, up and asking him what's wrong oh she's she's very uh empathetic right i mean we've known wonder woman to be this compassionate person so she sees it not just a you know she's not just a warrior but you know we know wonder woman as this compassionate uh warrior and so she sees it so obviously she can she can read the body language and so she says that but it, it has to be said that this is a very good scene for these characters of this justice league movie of this Zack snyder movie where Zack snyder is always um regarded for the slow-mo and the action and so over the top maybe violent action and you know uh, there's whether you think about Watchmen or Rebel Moon Army of the Dead and you know, Justice League and Dawn of Justice you know there's a lot that Zack Snyder's regarded for but this is a really good character scene for all of them that I think a lot of people don't give enough credit to like the dialogue here is very good. I'm yeah. very invested in what these characters are saying. And what they're saying is actually meaningful and, and full of growth. And it's there's a lot to cherish here. And and really, um, I find myself like, oh, I'm invested in what they're saying. Like, this is important to me as someone who's invested in this movie. And, you know, I would take this scene over anything in the theatrical cut because it just doesn't give me the nutrition that I want with this, yeah. this, in this minute here. And it's like, you know take away all the action and stuff like, and like well and 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 again well with the martha and lois and clark and all that stuff in smallville here as well here it's like we've got back-to-back just great character scenes of stuff that i want to see in this dc cinematic universe like this is really good stuff <laughs> um, yeah oh and, no continue sorry well i was just gonna add on like he snyder is known for his action and sometimes it can be kind of violent and things um but what I get from his movies, especially in the Dawn of Justice sort of stuff, is that he he is attacking toxic masculinity and then he's building back up more of a robust masculinity. Like you can still have strength, but it doesn't have to be in this toxic way. Like so I've I've written and, and podcasted and a lot of other people too, how Batman v Superman is basically a critique of toxic masculinity in the form of Lex and Bruce as these powerful men that are like, yeah, they need to get over themselves. They have a lot of issues from that. And the women kind of show the way of like, Hey, this is a more reasonable way to actually go forward. That's a whole thing um, from Donna justice. But here too, like Mark was saying, Bruce is actually leaning back and then listening or watching other people. And he has, you know, uh, he's letting cyborg actually take the lead on like fixing his stuff. Like toxic masculinity would be like, nobody touches my truck or like, you know, nobody else touches my car. Mm -hmm. Like I will fix it. And like, it would emasculate me for somebody else to actually be able to fix my truck or my, you know, vehicle. Bruce is actually letting, you know, Cyborg like, Hey, you maybe have the skills for this. You do it. And then later what's Bruce going to do. He's going to lift Cyborg up even more and say like, you have flight in you as well. Like, you know, toxic masculinity is like, I always need to be the alpha. I need to be like the top dog here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, um, I would say a more robust masculinity is to be strong enough in yourself that you can lift other people up and realize that that's okay. I'm going to actually give you a compliment and I'm going to like give you some encouragement. And that doesn't make me any lesser. It just lifts you up. And so like for me, I'm taking that in a lot of different parts of the movies. But even in this minute, like Mark was talking about the sort of the care and the beauty of this minute, 
to me, I'm also getting that like Arthur is just talking about how he actually cares about what's happening and the people that might have too much on their shoulders. Bruce is actually starting to realize I can I can let other people in. I can I can let other mm-hmm. people take up some of the load. And like to me, all of those are things that are actually pointing the way towards a better, healthier form of masculinity instead of the just the tough guy Rambo, like I'm going to I'm going to, you know, I'll rip it all apart and I'll do what I have to do and I'll claw my way forward. Um, you know, more from other movies or from other eras that we sort of need to move beyond. I feel like Zack Snyder, when viewed in this way, he actually is showing a more healthy sort of form of, of action and, and masculinity and stuff. Yeah, very well said. I mean, Bruce Wayne disclosing this nightmare information to Wonder Woman is something that the Bruce Wayne in the last movie would not have done. I mean, there was so much he kept secret from Alfred. And then Alfred had to become like, you know, the white Portuguese doesn't have a dirty bomb. What does it have? Like, you're hiding all this information from Alfred. And so for even for Batman to, you know, tell Wonder Woman um, to open up and be like, this is this is what I've been seeing. This is it. And like, that there's your evidence against him of everything you're saying yeah. is like that yeah. he's actually open and he doesn't have it figured out yet. So he's actually sort of vulnerable to say, I'm thinking about this thing. This thing happened to me. I don't quite know what it means. So I'm trying to figure it out. Yep. And so the fact that he's sharing it without having it all figured out is also a more vulnerable, but more healthy sort of form yeah, of masculinity. More progressive. Yeah. yeah the, the toxic masculinity oh. would be like, I'm always going to pretend I have everything figured out. Right. Mm-hmm. Never. I'm never going to show any weakness or any confusion or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's just just fantastic um, minute all around. They um, what they'll say in this minute here is that um, you know after Wonder Woman has said what's wrong, and then he opens up like Barry Allen was standing right here. I had a dream, almost like a premonition. Um, he was here, and he said Lois Lane is the key. And Wonder Woman is very quick to say. Uh, she is to Superman. You know, yeah. everyone, every heart has one. Um, what I like about this is how quickly it confirms what everyone's initial thought would be. And so it seems, you know, when and when you're watching Dawn of Justice for the first time, and Barry comes in, he's like, she, like Lois Lane, she's the key. Am I too soon? And you're like thinking, like, key to what? It's like everyone's first thought would be, like, oh, to Superman in some figurative way. Um, so what I like is that this story is saying, now we all know your first guess is that it's the key to Superman, yada, yada. Like we know the nightmare sequence. We know that like Lois Lane would be the key to something. Um, and so it's, it's very quick to like confirm like, yes, that's, that's where we want you to think. We, we want to point you in that direction. But then we have Batman say, I think it's something else. And then you're supposed to think like, Oh well, then what else could it be? Like I thought, I thought it was so obvious that it would be um, that Lois Lane is the key to Superman, and and in what regard? And so we've we've had our hypothesis about it, but Sam, I wanted to hear what your thought is on this one. Yeah, I I kind of agree. It's nice that there's these multiple levels because the one level is like what we just wrapped up seeing was that they almost got their butt kicked by a risen Superman. And Lois came in just in time, you know, yet again, Lois is in the right place, at the right time um, to save the day there. And so she was the key to like stop the Superman rampage. And so that's one level is like, oh, yeah, that that was the way in which she was the key. But um, this one is more like setting up something that's like in the future. There's still something yet to come. Like Flash was from the future. So he's somewhere further down the line and he's sending this message. So it's not like he's sending the message 
from right now that she's the key for this thing that just happened. It's like, no, she's the key for something yet to come that's like in the future. Um, so yeah, I mean, I assume, you know, the version would be something like, you know, if she is lost or if she is killed or something, then that's going to expose Superman to anti-life kind of our control by dark side. Like we talked about in a previous minute. Um, but I think basically it was a setup for if there was a next movie that got to happen, that she would be a central figure in it in some important way. Mm, mm, okay. Okay. So the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the discussed death of Lois Lane is, is where the key uh, is important. Is or, it, or it could be like, so if flash in the future is in the dark timeline where everything is going to, to hell and Superman is terrible and it was, triggered by Lois's fate. Mm -hmm. Then that's the moment that flash comes back and basically is saying, try to find some way to protect Lois or try to find some way for Lois to be saved because then Superman will still be okay. And then we might have a chance. Like that's how I've always kind of taken it. Mm -hmm. Okay. The flash was not super clear in the way that he communicated that, but you have to have some dramatic flair, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And he was too soon as, as we, as we've heard. So, uh, I guess maybe yeah. one day we'll see what the actual time point he was supposed to go to. Yeah. I'm still on the side of that. It's like that future is still the future. Like Lois Lane is the key because there is a death that is going to happen. Whether yes. they like it or not, it's just a different timeline is supposed to open up that is going to shift it to be that prime timeline. And so anyway... Yeah, as as, as Carla Gugino <laughs> says, or Keylor, is that uh, it's uh, the future has taken root in the present. So everything yeah. that Cyborg witnesses, like it's going to happen. So it's and, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say that um, even this unity, this battle at Pajornov, um, you know, I, 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 we've had some listeners that like wanted to talk about those visions of Cyborg, and um, it shows the unity happening. It shows Pajorn of, ha- you know, the, the big white explosion that destroys the planet. Like, it does happen in this movie, and it does happen in this timeline. So the whole Flash um, reversing time to undo the unity is still part of this timeline's future. Like, it does happen. He didn't change the timeline when he reversed time to undo the unity. Like, it's that's just part of this track, like, that he would do that. Um, really weird to, to to talk about that. Like it's just like a closed loop. It didn't affect the future at all. He just reversed it, undid it. But he's supposed to do it in this timeline. Like, like so, um, yeah, it's just interesting to think about. <laughs> or that maybe it that happens because uh, we're still on the track. Yeah, we're still on the track to the nightmare. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, that it's yeah. Uh, that, and that's what I was saying. Like that is still the timeline that is you know, taking, taking root into the future. Um, mm-hmm. I also think it's also a commentary on just the general idea of that phrase, Lois Lane is the key, you know, that we saw a few years ago. And I I think we're, we are getting the definitive answer here with Bruce Wayne, with Batman saying that he thinks it's something else, something, something, something afterwards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because Wonder Woman was so quick to say her whole thing is love, obviously, right? She was the first one mm-hmm. to say, like, yeah, absolutely. The key to Superman is Lois Lane. It's the key to his heart. It's like, yeah, duh. That's obvious. But that's not what we mean. Again, 
it's Batman. It's a detective story. He's a detective. It's not the obvious thing. So I really do think that this is like solidifying the answer that the Lois Lane is the key was not just about what happened a couple weeks ago when we were watching it. It was not just about Lois being there to calm an angry rebirth Superman. It's like no no one could have ever known that. That was just that's just like myth, you know. That's coming mm-hmm. from Atlantean and and Themyscarian myth of when you come back, you lose part of yourself. You know, something something darker does come back with you or whatever. It's like that's that's not what we're, we're talking about. You know, Lois Lane is the key. Is like he says, it's something else. It's going to be something way bigger. <laughs> they say the line tomorrow. It's something darker. <laughs> it's obviously something darker. Yeah, and you know, we do see what that something darker is. It's just mm-hmm. kind of given to us where it's like, eh, it could happen or could it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and this oh. is the other thing, too, where you were saying, like, they're in the Batcave. They can be listening to each other or whatever. But Cyborg right now is distracted. Like, he's very much working on the Flying Fox. So to me, what would have been interesting, not to actually do this, but, like, if I was imagining this was the real universe, if Cyborg could have been part of this conversation, then I wonder if Cyborg would have ch- chimed in, like, what was that you said, Bruce? You said that, like, you got a message that uh, Lois, Lane, Lois Lane was the key. Well, let me tell you a little something I just saw, you know, recently. And <laughs> yeah. I, I might infer that that's Lois Lane. Maybe we put our brains together. But, like, of course, they don't have time to do that now. He's busy, and they have to deal with the present threat right now. But, yeah, it's just all kind of fun stuff to think about. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure in the next movie they will have that conversation. Batman yeah. and Cyborg, but, like, Hey, you saw weird things too. I saw weird things. <laughs> yeah, let's compare notes. Collaborate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was another and, thing I wanted to say just quickly about this minute itself and the scene is that this is really big because you know, Sam, you talked about it before. Um, Batman is is voicing his thoughts on a vision that he had, you know, and he, he himself didn't know if it was real or fake or what have you. Us as the audience still didn't know if it was real or fake. We have inferring details that you know obviously will sway our opinion and it it really does lead us to believe that it was real in 2017 it was real um but now it's more of like since he is actually talking about it and bringing it up with wonder woman it is again solidifying that yes that happened there's no question about it like he, he wouldn't just be saying and talking to people about whatever dreams batman has because those are crazy. And in the last movie, we did see him have so many dreams. And like you guys said, he didn't say a word about them. Now is the first time he's actually expressing to another person the inner workings of Batman. And Sam, you said he's still questioning questioning whether or not he can believe what he saw kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think this whole minute is really just like the definitive answers for things that could have been left essentially unanswered from dawn of justice Mm -hmm. i i I think um in the theatrical cut i don't think they ever talk about the vision do they i don't think so i don't think they bring it up i don't think they ever No, that's why when that's that's the thing because in that theatrical cut lois lane is the key happened a couple weeks ago with her being at heroes park as the big gun that's that's That's... when a, a, a smooth brain goes yeah I hear Lois Lane is the key, and that's what it means. Right. And it was well, like Bruce had Alfred like go pick her up. Or yeah. Whatever. So it was yeah. basically that was the end of it was like Bruce. Bruce was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to send Alfred to go get her because maybe she's the key was kind of like what yeah. was inferred. 
But it doesn't actually make any sense because why would Flash have come back from the future to tell him that? Like it was it was happening very close in time to uh, Batman v Superman to Lois coming. Like why would a far distant future Flash from some other era come back to tell him that? Yeah, it's a yeah. Weird. I mean, Lois Lane was there at, at at Doomsday to you know get the line like "You are my world" and Batman and saw Lois Lane there to tell him you know that's his mother's name. It's like I I know you you really care about this person. Like it's very obvious to me. You don't need a, a time traveler to come tell you that, uh, you know, yeah. that this person is, is Clark Kent's world. Um, so it's almost like Wonder Woman is having like this metaphysical uh, conversation uh, for the for the moviegoers of being like, oh, yeah, Lois Lane is the key to Clark Kent. And Batman being like, no, it, it means something more than that. <laughs> it's like the, the what happened in, in, in the Justice League 2017, it's like that would like, as you said, Nathan, it would be such a basic response of like, <laughs> of course, if Superman comes back and he's chaotic, that Lois Lane would calm him down. But it's like, it's more than that. It's yeah. not just that. It's like, um, so yes, it's very well said. Like, um, to just be like, oh, well, if we bring him back and he's chaotic, we'll just bring in Lois Lane. It's like, oh, it just, it, that, that wasn't the point. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just really good stuff all around. And um, yeah, they just don't, they just don't even mention it. So um, the visions in, in the 2017 version. So I wonder, in that regard, did they like, in in that uh, tangent of the DC universe, did they they stop the whole nightmare sequence? Yeah. In general, they were like, well, when he comes back to life, that's his nightmare. That's the nightmare Superman. Not that Darkseid yeah. turned him with the anti-life equation, but that we brought him back with the mother box and his pet cemetery, and like this is the nightmare. And then Lois Lane if, stops it. And they were just like, okay, and now we're done. Now we that was wrapped up. Yeah, that was taken yeah. care of. Cool. Yeah. Now that, yeah, that. that's, I think the, you know, I don't like to talk a lot about the theatrical version, but there was definitely a lot of things in the theatrical version where they seemed inconvenienced by Batman v Superman. They're like, oh, that's annoying. Well, here, yeah. we'll just try to work around it. We'll try to ignore it. We'll try to How do, do you write else. around this? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, just as somebody who loves Batman v Superman, I just was like, no, that's a thing I love. Don't act like it's an inconvenience or don't act like you have to sort of deviate from it or something. Yeah, yeah. One of the things also being um, the cyborg, the way he looks, the way, you know, his mm. relationship with his father, for yeah. it to just be like, hey, look, they're happy together at the end and he's going to like transform his body to look awesome. like Yay. the comic book <laughs> version. They were just like, we didn't like any of that. Let's get, let's just change it. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the everything with the Wonder Woman was like, oh hey, she still really cares about Steve Trevor, and not that like over hundred years she kind of like had other, you know, uh, adventures about herself. It was just like, nope, she's still hung up on Steve Trevor. Let's, let's bring <laughs> like it up. said hung up. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a raw nerve, like not just hung up on him, but like can't even, yeah, <laughs> yeah, can't even move. I think on. she would have more composure after hundred years of yeah. Yeah, and other stories and, and, and growth in those hundred years. Nope. Uh, still and embracing same. life, you know, like <laughs> as what the character does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I think, uh, so, you know, Batman will say one more line uh, tomorrow uh, for this sequence, which we'll talk about uh, some more in detail. But um, unless you guys have anything else, we'll go ahead and wrap up for today. 
If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover our show as well. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can chat with us on Twitter at DCEU Minutes. And if you'd like to hear more bonus content, we also have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one here on DC Cinematic Minute.